Right, folks. All right, we are back once again live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, and what's up? And welcome to, I believe, episode 104 of How You Living. Uh, it's up there. I'm. I lost track. It. Uh, you know, we've been in a coma for three and a half months, so it's been a while since we've recorded. Uh, uh, we recently woke up from said coma, and now uh, the world is back in normal, and there's zero COVID. Oh wait, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but yeah, we are back, folks, live once again. In here it is, folks. Drum roll, please. We are in the Chaz Tower. I know, right? We are atop the Chaz Tower. We are in the million and a half dollar studios by now, man. We've, oh wow, we've we've we've, we've at least spent fifty percent more. So. <laughs> <laughs> the the one point five million dollar studio is atop the Chaz Tower, as always. Here with my friend Chaz, and as always, I start with the show. Simple question, Chaz, how you living? You know what I I am doing pretty well, like pandemic notwithstanding. Like you know, fully vaxxed, been going out. Still don't know, like you know, like when the COVID will come into this body because of the Delta variant and everything. But otherwise, like. It, you know, I'm good. Are we are we starting a uh, online betting pool for when when COVID catches when Chaz catches the Delta variant? I Is mean, that... I don't know if y'all want to. <laughs> I mean... Like, I'm definitely not like I'm not the hardcore social distancer I was before, but that's because I didn't have a vaccine. Right now that I hope, like you know, my. Uh... My messenger, or not my messenger RNA, uh, my little like B cells, they're creating the antibodies like in my body already, the memory B cells, and hopefully that's enough to like catch COVID before, like I catch enough of it before it does like a dent in the body to actually have to cause an immune response. So, right. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see, uh, you know, as time goes on. Uh, no official betting pool yet, folks, but uh, Reddit is a wild place. So if you guys end up doing that, uh, I will laugh. <laughs> uh, as always, uh, this show is recorded live in Greenwood. Uh, we like to uh, look back. I personally uh, hardly remember the last things we talked about. I think I think it's been so long. I know I know we were dealing with the protests and police violence and all these kind of things. Uh, towards the end of um, May, I want to say, was the last time we got one of these in. Yeah. And uh, and so, uh, yeah, so Chaz, uh, what, what in a callback fashion, what's something that is in the headlines today that we've talked about in previous episodes? I mean, the real talk, I just want to say I'm sick of y'all motherfuckers with your dick noses out. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know if we explicitly talked about it, but the way some, the way some of y'all motherfuckers wear your masks... How the fuck are y'all grown ass adults? Like the no the nose out over the mask is a is an interesting look. Yeah, like it, 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 I mean, one like the fucking virus comes from your nose. So who the fuck are you helping with that bullshit? Right? Like I I'm dead ass. Like I don't. You might get upset. You might get mad at me for saying fuck you. I can't breathe. Can you physically not fucking breathe, or do you just find it slightly belabored? Right? If you find right. it slightly belabored, put the fucking shit over your nose. You dumb shit. What the fuck is wrong with y'all? Wow. I'm sorry. I'm mad about because we've had 18 months of niggas doing this bullshit yeah right i don't i don't need to be playing like enough y'all love to be like i don't want to do it oh my god my feelings are hurt oh my god so i'm not gonna do it y'all love to like 
disregard effective things because your feelings are hurt. And I'm sorry, I'm done with that shit. You whole grown-ass adults, wear your mask the correct way to protect your fucking community. I don't give a fuck. If you physically can't breathe, then get delivery and stay your bitch-ass home, right? Like, yeah. you can <clears throat> breathe in that fucking mask. You just don't fucking like it. Yeah. Sit your nut ass down. Yeah, and and you heard it. The more you know, <laughs> folks. Uh, but yeah, no, I, the mask, the mask wearing. I mean, as we've uh, kind of mentioned, the Delta variant is spiking again in the United States, and so a lot of the mask kind of um, support is back, and you know, certain areas are requiring it, and obviously, it reopens this debate that America w- wants to have about and a fucking debate. It's the use of getting hurt, the use of masks in public, and all these things, but. Uh, yeah, it's definitely an important piece of the um, the COVID prevention uh, fight. You know, I mean, obviously vaccinate if you got the option in your area and, you know, you don't have like an immuno response to those types of vaccines kind of things. And it's it's like good for you to get. You should get it. Um, you should be on the lookout for booster shots. You should help your elderly family members that may be having it difficult to go online or wherever they might have to to schedule these things. I know a lot of the uh, kind of like... Um, retirement homes and things they would kind of set up a, a group that could come in and, and would talk to and educate people about what, right where and when. i mean but but here's the thing that's good but we're not at that point in the pandemic anymore right like we're at the point where you can just roll up to your cvs without an appointment and get a shot it's, right like, it's a little more complicated than that like they're the they're not all delivered to um the the pharmacy kind of outpatient versions as as often as they were um, because so many people that had the option to get them were getting them, and mm-hmm. so many vaccines were expiring, mm-hmm. so they're not they're they're readily available in cities. But you do have to mm. do some kind of looking sometimes now. Um, it's uh, you know you you got to look into it, and especially if you have a preference. You know, I I personally you know preferred the two shot method than the Johnson and Johnson. So you know mm-hmm. if you have that type of preference, uh, I I do believe you should have you know be able to find it yeah but yeah i think i was just saying for you know there are people like i literally have had to help people find their clinic on campus you know just physically tell them how to walk down a hallway Mm -hmm. and take a right after some elevators you know so the idea of logging into websites and and getting your information correct on there and and getting the time slot for you to go in i can see why you know just reaching out to people that may need a little more help with these things even if it's just physically getting them there it's kind of like driving people to the polls mm-hmm. you know if you need to give some people in your area a ride to the clinic or to the place to help if that's something you have time to do uh that and you're already vaccinated that's something you know you should look into doing and always you know talk to the people that are close to you uh you know they they have said studies that uh, you know, family members, friends that uh, have discussions with people who are on the fence about the vaccine is the most effective way to get people mm-hmm. over that hump and decision making to to get the vaccine. Also, guys, your shoulders are not magnetic after the vaccine. I am, I don't know who the fuck came up with I'm that. I'm so bullshit. tired of that. Like, shit. I'm sorry. Like, y'all motherfuckers need some critical thinking skills. That's another fucking thing. I'm over right now. Like, like I'm over the motherfuckers who think skepticism is just an underlying distrust of everything that they hear. Right, like that's not skepticism. That's just you being paranoid. Right? If you were being a skeptic, you would ask the questions that examine the truth of the matter and then try to see the best thing that draws those conclusions. Right? Yeah. But you're not. You're just like I have a paranoid distrust of this thing, so no. And it's like how do you live your life? Like like do you live your life in paranoid fear of everything? 
Like, what the fuck? Like, I'm sorry. Like, the the, uh, the people on the other side of this pandemic and the fucking coddling that we've been doing this fucking entire time with them is bullshit, right? And I want to be the person who has a platform that, like, I know people are going to be mad as shit me for saying this because they feel they in their feelings about the whole fucking thing, but it's bullshit, right? You lack critical thinking skills, right? What outcomes are you trying to prevent? Can you easily articulate what those outcomes are can you consider what the likelihood of those outcomes are right and then based on that what leads you to say your decision is still no right like the long-term effects long-term effects for how long like what leads you to believe there's going to be long-term effects in a year what leads you to believe there's going to be long-term effects in five years what thing in the vaccines themselves are going to lead to long-term effects in a year what things in the vaccine are going to lead to long-term effects in five years if you can't answer those questions then what the fuck do you believe yeah no, and that's always the thing is is uh, and and we actually have to deal with this on other issues, just strictly like from the Republican Party, like the idea of presenting arguments with facts, not just emotion based speeches and ways of like stirring up people's impression of things, but they don't back it up. You know, meanwhile, there are, you know, plenty of peer-reviewed studies on the efficacy of the vaccines, the e- efficacy of social distancing, using masks in public. Um, obviously, if, if you really were to ask me, and, and I think part of it is they like to dissuade one thing at a time. So somebody mm-hmm. will be anti-vaccine or someone will be anti-mask and they'll just have this just fervent like opinion about it. And, and then I can see when they hear certain things, because they do say things like, well, the mask doesn't prevent like total exposure prevention you know what i mean it's like that you you could still get covid with the mask that's their argument but what they're not agreeing to is the idea that the mask is part of like a three-prong attack that we're doing we're we're limiting the distance that the uh kind of molecules that are coming out of your nasal area and your mouth and stuff or that are coming into those areas well so here's the thing you are right about the coming out part but the coming in part, usually a regular cough mask isn't going to be effective at, like, you know, limiting that. KN and N95 masks are. And usually the the contention that I usually hear from Republicans is because they're so self-serving and highly individualistic, they don't like the fact that the masks don't protect them. They have a problem with wearing the mask to protect others. Right. Right. Well, and then what I was just going to say, the three-pronged approach is then also the, um, the contagion goes down in its ability to spread as people become immune through vaccine protocol Mm -hmm. so that on top of it is limiting the number of physical exposure molecules that are out in the world anyway because of the physical number of people who've been exposed and then on top of that the the use of like purell and sanitizers and, and cleaning and like products on on not like just surfaces and stuff, but like your hands and like the the idea of like kind of keeping the the parts of your body that you might touch your face or or wind up you know touching food and things um you know your ability to kind of ingest these molecules while they're out there is it goes down so you know it's about being clean it's about wearing the mask and it's about Mm -hmm. getting vaccinated and it's like if you put those together if you have somebody who effectively uses those things it is very hard to find any of them that have had to be hospitalized if they Mm -hmm. did at any point can uh get covid contract covid and i don't know an example of one who has died so um that's kind of right there is like is it is it about your policies of freedom or is it about life because honestly you don't have an argument to make if you die of covid right exactly And, and i was i was just listening to a podcast where they were talking about freedom and at least how i understand freedom and liberty because those are just fucking buzzwords that libertarians and certain 
conservatives love to spew. Like, to my understanding, freedom is your ability to have choices, and liberty is your ability to choose between those choices, right? So this literally means that somebody can have more freedom than others because they have more uh, choices available to them and more liberty than others because they have, um, they're freely able to choose between more, more or more choices, right? And you do have a choice here. It is really a binary choice sometimes of like wear a mask, not wear a mask, get a vaccination, not get a vaccination. And that's not to cover the accessibility that happens from what Mikkel, you mentioned earlier about having issues getting into, um, what is it, getting an appointment. But thankfully, in most places, you don't need an appointment anymore to get a shot. All right. But in the places you do, you'll need some help with that. Um, but so like you do have the freedom to say no, but for some reason y'all think that you don't want freedom. You want freedom from consequences. You don't want your no, you don't want your ability to say no. And then someone to impose a consequence on you for saying no, even though like people impose consequences for saying no all the time, right? If someone simply says, do you want to hang out today? And someone says, no, I ain't got the spoons for it. Are they really encumbering on your freedoms right there, right? If you don't have a ticket to get into a venue and they say, can I get in? And you say, no, are they encumbering on your freedoms, right? Like you had the choice to go buy a ticket if you had the money to access the ticket, right? And you chose not to, right? So I, I, I really have this problem of framing of freedom and liberty because it's really doesn't feel like it, it just feels like propaganda more than it is like an effective critique of what's trying to be done towards the outcomes of the coronavirus and staving off the pandemic right and that's and i mean that's kind of what the last 10 episodes of our show in a nutshell mm-hmm. uh you know is is this world uh being you know affected by this virus and can't seem to come to any like actual conclusions about what what is needed what was done who to blame like all these things it's like broken up so it's like china's trying to absolve blame so they're trying to figure out ways to show that these things existed in the world we're out here trying to like dispute whether or not you should get a vaccine or not between ourselves like you know meanwhile who knows what variant out in the world is growing somewhere right now and evolving that we're going to have to now combat in the coming days. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Delta is just an example of the uh, kind of ability of this thing to morph in ways that um, kind of challenge our our current uh, uh, effective treatments, like the, the vaccine. You know, the fact that people are actually getting it as these breakthrough cases, you know, and most of them aren't being hospitalized and some aren't even showing symptoms, but... Um, it is a it is an example of kind of things to come if if you look at how pandemics are going to work. Yeah, there are going to be these waves. Let's touch on that cynicism there a little bit too, because I feel like a lot of things that I see from people is they have this misunderstanding about how vaccines are supposed to work. Because I think it, it feels to me, and I could be wrong on this, from the way p- people have communicated uh, the the existence of breakthrough cases that vaccines were supposed to be a silver a silver bullet of not contracting the disease at all which is not the case like even like one there's the factor that both like the moderna and pfizer vaccines were 94 and 96 percent effective i might be inverting those but and that was during a time with like 
D-O-G coronavirus and at a time where social distancing was being applied in certain areas and masking was being applied in certain areas. And then Johnson & Johnson came out and Johnson & Johnson had a 77% effectiveness of not getting the virus. And that was during like, I think maybe the alpha or beta variants time. So that could have affected that, right? So right now, we don't actually know how well proven these vaccines are when people are just freely out in bars, total masks off, huge viral loads compared to limited viral loads from the masks and what that means in their effectiveness of zero people getting the virus. Right. Right. So to have a degree of cynicism to say, like, we don't know what the viruses are going to do is really because the, the, for the virus to be most effective, it needs to limit people getting extreme sickness and limit people being in the hospital and limit people from dying. And right now, based on the clinical trials, those have been in like the 99% or 100%. And that's what matters. That's why I'm like, Chaz is likely going to get the coronavirus but i'm likely not going to die from it right right and i'm also unlikely to have long-term complications because my body has the ability to fight it it doesn't have to like if you know how um your immune system works right like your immune system first goes in with i can't remember the exact cells but kurtzagog did a really good video on it and they say um like, it has to go in, it, it has to, like, it'll attack it, and then there's this one type of cell that'll grab whatever that um, foreign body is, and then starts going into your data set of different antibodies. And then, basically, it has to go through the painstaking process of saying, like, is this the right antibody? Is this the right antibody? Is this the right antibody? But guess what? If you had a vaccine, you've already had that process happen to you, right? So, they should have memory B cells there, and B cells are the ones that create the antibodies. Usually, what happens is you have to like find it lock it in get the right antibody then send it to the b cells the b cells have to be like all right fam i'm going to make these antibodies and then the b cells go to the place where it is to neutralize those viruses while other things like killer t cells and uh, white blood cells are trying to attack it to the point to stave off the infection Right. And at points in times, maybe the viral load you got was large enough where you didn't have enough of your immune antibodies there or not immune antibodies or your immune cells there to just stave it off. And that's basically what counts as not getting the sickness. And and then you have you get sick because then your body's like your bones ache because that's where your antibody or where your white blood cells are created. Right. Like you have a headache because your body's too using too much energy um, in order to have that immune process. And also you have a fever because, you know, your body raises your body temperature to make foreign substances inhospitable to it. But that also affects you and long term exposure to that can also have be damaging. Right. So like it, the vaccine is supposed to help you gain a leg up on that process, which it does. And that's why fewer people um, who are vaccinated are getting fully sick and being hospitalized. And those who are getting hospitalized are usually older individuals because the effectiveness of their immune system overall is lessened because of their age. Right. Yeah. No, I know. And that's, and that's, yeah. And, and it, it wasn't like a pure cynical statement. It was, it was more of just kind of the, yeah, the, the evolution of this is going to be more similar to like a flu soon where, yeah, it'll just be, an evolved form that we kind of see come in waves and uh, different parameters around it. Uh, that, folks, is one of the longer callbacks yeah. in our show's history. So officially now, after our longest callback segment, uh, we are in episode 104, 
And a lot has gone on. Uh, You know, our boy Biden was in office for about four months when we last spoke. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's been doing some things. I I heard he had a little kerfuffle in uh, Afghanistan, I believe. A little kerfuffle. That's that's the way to frame it. (laughs) Uh, So uh, what's what's on your mind in uh, Biden's Afghanistan campaign removal? So, I mean, so, okay, this this is a complicated complex nuanced subject yeah that, like i don't even know if i'm the most equipped to even like critique it right and because i've been getting a lot of second and third hand information <clears throat> and everything because like funny enough it's the this year is the 20 year anniversary of 9-11 right and 9-11 is what predicated the two wars the war in iraq and the war in afghanistan yeah and and it seems like and it's now over the course of four presidents and since obama we've been saying we need to pull the troops out of there right yeah but i think in saying that i never really ever considered what would be the consequences of pulling the troops out but also i don't think it was ever examined much what was the effectiveness of the policies and the strategies that was used during the um the war itself to be to a point where it would have an effective like removal plan so like and from like the the different news sources I've listened to and the and people who have critiqued about it the primary thing that I hear is that like we just had really bad practices in Afghanistan if the ultimate goal was going to be leave and then the Afghani people would have independence to defend themselves because right. while America had their occupation there, there were a lot of new freedoms that um, the Afghani people were allowed to have, especially women, because in the Taliban um, reign beforehand, based on Sharia law, there was um, a lot of limiting of women's freedoms and liberties there. Right. And people who have been around that time or know what that is historically, one of the things they're afraid of now that the Taliban seems to be effectively back in power is that women will be limited from those freedoms again. Right. Right. So, like, what could we have done to mitigate that? That's That was a question, honestly, probably for 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014. Right. And I don't know what we can do now in terms of that. And there is something to say that I keep hearing that the Taliban can't be as authoritarian as they were before because if they want to actually have their government legitimized they're gonna have to give some concessions but i don't know how effective that's gonna be that's more of a like a wait and see sort of thing right and then on the other hand of it the other question is did we pull out too soon and then i feel there is a degree of like not criticism but you can give joe biden the benefit of the doubt saying it was trump who set up this plan right but it was also like joe biden also did have the ability to rescind that plan if he wanted to yeah and i did hear a good argument that it might have been bet like one that we didn't rescind the plan when there wasn't a ceasefire in place with the taliban and also that it might have been better to do this in the winter instead of the summer because uh, their ability to attack during that time would have been lessened because of the, you know, the weather. And, Snow and, yeah. Right. So, and I think those are valid criticisms. But, you know, what is done is done. And now we are recording this on the 29th. So that means they have basically two and a half days as of this recording to um 
evacuate people from Afghan or Afghanistan, and uh, and then from there the Taliban are now back in control, and and then what that's going to mean. And then the third the third thing in it is I think ISIS K, which is a new smaller um, sort of insurgency in Afghanistan. Um, it has done two uh, what's it called terrorist attacks. Uh, one in Kabul and one elsewhere that I can't remember. So that means now, like, is there going to be a new counterterrorism effort in Afghanistan? And what's that going to look like militarily? And what outcomes on the Afghani people is that going to have on their day-to-day lives in the future right. of their republic? So, yeah, and so, so exactly. And, yeah, our podcast, which, you know, a comedy-based political podcast is not necessarily going to be um where we dissect this issue into like its most purest form um but yeah i do say the the if you know if you call the um the topic the war in afghanistan um you are talking about you know 270 bullet points of mm-hmm. political thought strategy um social improvement um <clears throat> gender politics you know everything under the sun within the framework of what we would call the war in Afghanistan. And, you know, it's connections to 9-11, it's connections to uh, being the longest war America served in, which I think in a lot of ways, the strategy of the removal of our troops at this time has a lot to do with that perspective. Mm -hmm. I think the phrase longest war in American history is ultimately what shot down the idea that this would ever be a successful thing for Afghanistan. Because the reality is, moving towards what you were talking about, a stronger hold place where they were in power and the the advances of socially that they were given, um, specifically women and minority groups and certain people of um, different types of faiths and, and orientations, mm-hmm. um, you know, are are definitely going to be uh, lessened under the Taliban. You know, to what degree? Obviously, we'll wait and see. But, um, but yeah, I think um, looking back on it, it, you're right. If we had done those things, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, we would be just under the gun as the longest war for uh, Vietnam was a little bit longer. But um, it basically had to end once it crossed that threshold. In, in like political rooms in Washington, D.C. And so the I think immediately all those goals went out the window the day they started circling dates in the future they had to leave. Um, whether we were ever going to have the success we'd want is another thing, and I think mm-hmm. history will debate that. Um, the warlord um, kind of orientation, historical tribal orientation of Afga- Afghanistan is deep within their culture and roots and uh you know it it's it's you know the taliban have kind of migrated their influence into that system you know a long time ago in Mm -hmm. in some ways you know it may not have been called the taliban but but this the sharia law kind of uh method of thinking and um you know, so so all those things and looking back on it, the tragedy, of course, is, you know, the toll on human life and suffering and, mm-hmm. you know, the people that, you know, obviously the scenes of uh, people clinging to airplanes that are taking off. Like, mm-hmm. wow, that's like the most dramatic 
thing we saw, you know, last week in the pullout. Because I mean, obviously, no one's going to survive that. Like, if you're yeah. hang- if you're hanging onto an airplane, it's just not going to work out. So yeah, there is an episode of nine one one. I think the uh, the Austin based one that actually has like a group of individuals um fleeing i forget from what country but they were in the wheel well and one person like one person fell out of the wheel well and the other person was stuck in there so like even though it's a fictionalized account on it that's definitely an interesting you know allegory to like people actually trying to do that and escaping from inhospitable environments and by any means necessary yeah and so, you know, it, to kind of sum up, because I, I think I do think we're probably the wrong podcast for this, but we, we definitely never want to leave an elephant in the room without mm-hmm. calling attention to it. Um, you know, my hope is uh, there there is a, a belief in the people that are there that they can hold the Taliban accountable to some of these concessions. Mm-hmm. And maybe in time they can make their version of, um, you know, popular movement kind of political system that allows for the a kind of openness that we were we were shooting for but maybe that they feel a little more ownership to and not kind of this indistinguishable puppet government decision you know whenever we go into these places whether we're helping them pick the right people or not Mm -hmm. the the lens that's used by the combatants in those areas is look at this puppet u.s government you've let in look at this Mm -hmm. foreign power that's stealing all of our resources so the idea of, of of democracy or whatever form of social, you know, political movement rises out of a country, if it can ever be, you know, born naturally of its kind of uh, systems, mm-hmm. that it can kind of caress the, the same kind of ideas of a Western world, but not handed to them from the Western world, you know, maybe something like that could be successful one day. And and my hope is that that we we keep in contact. I hope I hope once the dust settles, maybe the fighting kind of gets quelled. Um, we look to get in there with some of these uh, more appropriate NGOs, not like necessarily the ones that are out there pillaging, but some of these non governmental uh, nonprofit things that can kind of channel some uh, goodwill and energy to helping uh, Afghanistan do the rebuild and do the things that are technically in the scope of an American war plan when we when we discuss these things. You know, the, the idea of nation-building is somehow built into our U.S. military tactics, and yet we've basically failed every time. Mm-hmm. You know? Because it's thinly veiled imperialism. Yeah. Yeah. But the idea of, of, of assisting, I think, is positive, and I do think sometimes mm-hmm. when you, you, you know, when uh, these hot-button countries, it's kind of hard for them because there's so much focus on them, and, and, and you know, they're war-torn, and they're, there are militants out there, so you're not going to see those kind of uh, nonprofit world organizations come through right away, but, you know, the work they do in countries that aren't at the front lines of these kind of situations that we've never heard of is really amazing, and, and, and so I think that's where they go right now, is they go to the places that need the help that aren't, like, having these total meltdowns so they mm-hmm. can actually practice the tactics that it takes to solve, you know, uh, not having schools, not having running water, to rampant diseases, you know, all these different kind of problems that happen. Um, I do think uh, access to, you know, proper agriculture is important to Afghans, and, you know, obviously in the past that has been... Um, pulled into the poppy market and that created that whole um 
drug trade issue with Afghanistan that, you know, goes to this day. But hopefully they can get, you know, growing some actual food crops and things that will actually help the Afghan society, you know, thrive as a, as a place. And, uh, you know, those things in time. But uh, poor Biden, man, is it, it's going to be a bit of a black eye that the Republicans are going to use for a while just because the optics were kind of ugly. But I don't think in the long run uh, the, the removal of troops from Afghanistan is going to fall on, on Biden's shoulders completely i think it will be spread amongst the presidents of the last 20 years yeah i hope so um just like some just some quick resources you might want to listen to in order to get kind of like a broader view of like the political implications of this but also the human side of things i think uh two weeks ago the podcast left right and center did a whole hour on afghanistan and that's where i heard from one of the individuals about what should have been done in the past in order to make for an effective um, leave for right now. There was also, I believe, an episode of the podcast The Daily from the New York Times where they talked directly to um, Afghani people who are living um, in Afghanistan and who helped out uh, with the, our military and government forces by being, uh, what's it called, translators and other things, and what sort of emotional and sort of like micro impact it's having on their lives. And, you know, it, it's it's some hard shit to listen to, so be prepared for it. Um, and, and then I think there's this other podcast out there that are talking about, like, you know, the political nature of it overall. But, but yeah, it is something to be mindful of in the next uh, things coming along the lines. And maybe from a weird American sense, because Afghanistan is one of the oil places uh, and the place where we do get oil from. I think we gotten a little bit away from our oil dependence there based on our based on things that happened in the 1970s but you could see oil prices go up which means gasoline prices will go up which means ignorant people are going to blame that on biden too so it's it's a weird thing for american imperialism and what goes into um our status quo but it's something it's something that's going to be a part of the political milieu um for at least the rest of the year maybe even longer exactly well chaz that uh was our discussion on the delta variant and our discussion on afghanistan now i'm just gonna cut in here real quick oh yeah do your thing it's my it's my interruption portion of the store uh, show where i try to kind of like i don't know break up the monotony of what this is talk about something completely different and that way we can still finish with some serious topics at the end because mm-hmm. we've uh we've reset our minds and then we'll we'll leave you with some rap hip-hop music and uh we'll be done for the episode yes, sir. that's that's the formula if you're just joining us now for our first episode uh of your life it's episode 104 here so (laughs) i want to talk about the annual thing that there is there's one thing that i annually uh bring up on this show uh as an interruption topic and uh that is my favorite running documentary television show (laughs) on hbo that's right folks hard knocks Ah, is back Hard Knocks is back, folks. Last time we were joining the the Los Angeles Rams as they went through uh, their first season in a new stadium mm-hmm. to which they could have zero people come to <laughs> because it was the beginning of the pandemic. And so uh, at that point, um, 
Uh, they they did the show Hard Knocks, and we saw the whole COVID protocol taking place in the preseason. We saw the development of the Rams, who ended up being, uh, you know, kind of a mediocre version of themselves. They did make it to the playoffs, but yeah, it, it wasn't quite all the things they had expected. Obviously, I think uh, not having fans in the stadium for any of your home games is a big part of that. Um, I think they could have won some more games. It might have changed a little thing. So mm-hmm. this time around, uh, we have a new player... But it's somebody that's been on the show before. Get ready for a little bit of the trailer to Hard Knocks 2021, the Dallas Cowboys. It's America's team, folks. Oh, my God. So here's the deal. At... uh, At the Dallas Cowboys training camp, they have this billion-dollar facility mm-hmm. where it's uh, an indoor uh, playing field for practice, but is fully scaled NFL size. Mm-hmm. It's used also for high school football games as an actual competitive field, and it seats something along like 20,000 people. And it's their practice field. Yeah, that's because the Dallas Cowboys, if they're not the richest football team in the NFL, they're one of the richest football teams in the NFL. Yeah, so so they've got this whole practice facility. It's got all these outdoor fields and stuff. So they, they show that on the show. Um, obviously, so... Uh, the Dallas Cowboys currently, they've got young offensive players, Zeke and Dak. Dak obviously ended his season last year with a big injury. Mm. And it was it was a sad, I think it ended up being a knee injury or lower leg. And so uh, he went off the field on the cart. Very emotional moment for Dak and the Dallas Cowboy fans. And uh, so he... Uh, he ended his season that way. So this is the the comeback year, you know, right now the show, if you're not familiar with Hard Knocks, folks. Mm-hmm, it follows mm-hmm. the training camp of one team in America's game. And, uh, and yeah, so so he's kind of had a light work duty in the, in the training camp in the show so far because his shoulder and his rehabbing. Uh, but his partner in crime is, of course, Ezekiel. So Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott, He's uh, his running back, and uh, Zeke is looking like he's right up to his best form. So this guy's going to be getting big yards in the NFL this year. Uh, those two are joined by a cast of characters that you watch on the show. You follow them. They follow their families. You see them at their pool parties, and then you find out if they get cut. Either they're going to make a million dollars this year, or tomorrow they're going to be with their friends at Buffalo Wild Wings. You don't know unless you watch the show. <laughs> Uh, and so if you want to interrupt your, your life with, uh, five episodes of Hard Knocks, they come out every Tuesday on HBO and they follow the previous week. So they actually cut and edit the episode, like just hours before they put it on the air. So it gets everything in the week prior to the episode airing and Mm. then, and then they start filming for the next week. So it's a great, uh, documentary program. Obviously, uh, Chaz is probably still, uh, Oh no, the NFL is still bigoted. Don't forever be bigoted. (laughs) The fact that it's called America's Game and Bigoted, that tells you a lot about America, doesn't it, folks? (laughs) Like, mm mm-hmm. And it's it's the Dallas Cowboys. One, it's fucking Texas. Fuck that shit. 
Also, I'm from Philadelphia, and my dad was an Eagles fan, so double fuck that shit, right? Like, uh uh. uh. <laughs> so there you go, folks. Chaz is going to be reading a book. I'm going to finish watching my favorite football documentary series on television, HBO. If you don't want anything to do with Hard Knocks, I will give you one more th- shout out to HBO, uh, a series show, sports. Uh, the the 100 foot wave documentary series about big wave surfing in Nazaré, Portugal. Oh, I totally watched that. Is epic. It is amazing. Um, and so I shout out to anybody out there who had anything to do with that show or that sport because they did great things. It's it is beautiful. It's like it feels like X Games meets Blue Planet because it's like you you're seeing the the wave construction as like this natural documentary character mm. as much as you're seeing the sport itself of wave of big wave surfing and the development of it at this very iconic beach town in in Portugal. Mm. So, if you hate football and you don't want to catch up with this season's hard knocks, uh go ahead and take a look on HBO's uh 100 foot wave. This has all been sponsored by HBO. They sent me no money, Chaz. I got no money from HBO. So, uh <laughs> We don't even get a referral link. We don't get like yeah, I know myhbo.com slash how you living. Get ten yeah. percent off your first subscription. I don't yeah. know. I'm sorry. If you put in the code <laughs> put in the code what's up at the ah, yeah. at the at the icon when you sign up for HBO Max, you will save no money. Uh, oh man. But if that was our like referral code once we get that sponsor game oh, going, that gonna, would be hilarious. It'll be it. That'll be it. <laughs> uh so that's my interruption, guys. We got hey, we got things a little lighter and looser. We're talking about things. Uh how do you want to send them home, Chaz? What do you got to talk about? Well, I mean, it, it's all the way over in the news. And if we, you know, how you live in that talk about like race relations in America all the time, if we didn't cover critical race theory in some way, it would be miss of us but i don't actually have much to say about critical race theory like if you want to know what the academic discipline of critical race theory and what critical theory is in its own sense um that uh oh god i forget the name of the man who was on bill maher against uh shapibo um but you know shapibo was on there being like the conservative side or like what i like to call the conservatives interpretation of critical race theory is how white people are legislating from getting their feelings hurt right and and that is basically like there if you want to know if you want to see what this entire argument is distilled and like a bit of a half an hour listen to the new york times episode of the argument that is the very neoliberal take on it you have like the one dude on the left or I bet they don't usually frame them by left and right, but the person who's like who explains critical race theory is distinct from college, blah 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 blah, right? And then you have um, the worst people in the world, an intelligent bigot on the other side. Okay, people might not like me characterizing them like that, right? But I'm gonna do it anyway, and it, because basically. Um, he tries to, oh, God, I wish I had, you know, studied this a little bit more um, or at least remembered what he has said where a lot of the legislations that are happening in red states about critical race theory are basically saying, like, oh, yeah, you can't teach anybody how race might divide them or something like that. Like, well, if you were actually trying to teach, um, because, like, ideally what I think whatever like the nebulous like the way you like you know 
how people use the word penultimate incorrectly, like when right. like they don't, where it does mean like the second to last, but people treat it like if it's like this grand ultimate thing, right? That's what happened to critical race theory. Critical race theory now is people being like, so you want to teach people about like racist shit they did in America, like lynching, like slavery, like, you know, oh, I should say trigger warning here, sorry. <laughs> um, Like the the genocide of native americans the chinese exclusion act right even things like the government have does like embargoes against haiti or giving money to the french republic in order to help them quell the revolution against haiti because they didn't want to come to america like teaching that stuff would be filed under the republicans interpretation of critical race theory and because that would hurt white people's feelings because america love has created such a good propaganda game to make you think that it's infallible right that that upsets people yeah. right but and, and this is for like the people out there who have abusers right like because uh, let me say if you don't believe that america is an abusive partner i don't know what the fucking tell you right because that that's what this is basically it's like nobody wants to know that america is an abusive partner but america is an abusive partner and some people want to teach it in schools so you know how the abusive partner has been in the past. So maybe you don't do that shit in the future. But people who want, you know, the illusion of the status quo or not the illusion of the status quo, but the status quo that gives you, you know, the illusion of a meritocracy or even though that shit don't really exist in America. I mean, it might exist in some sectors, but without, you know, the ability to access things at all levels at all times, your meritocracy is bullshit. Um, and... And other things that are quote unquote saying to make America great, <clears throat> critical race theory, both in its academic application and in this more layman application, are supposed to challenge that, and people don't like it. Yeah. So to run through some of these, this is ridiculous. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna run through them, man, and we'll we'll, see, we'll hear what we got. Mm-hmm. We got Alabama HB8 HB11. Representative Chris Pringle and Representative Danny Crawford have sponsored a bill by republicans from the next legislative session that would ban schools from teaching certain concepts regarding race sex and specifically critical race theory arizona hb 2898 late june doug ducey great name Hmm. republican signed into law restricting how teachers can discuss race and sex in the classroom educators or schools are found to be in this violation the school district could be fined up to five thousand dollars a separate bill that would have fined teachers the additional five thousand dollars arkansas hb 1218 republican legislators recently withdrew a bill that would have prohibited teaching uh things that promote division between groups or quote-unquote social justice Arkansas passed a law in many that prohibited divisive concepts in the state agency training. Florida, in June, the state education voted to approve a rule that prohibits schools from teaching critical race theory and the 1619 project, which I looked up and found to be a project kind of based out of the New York Times and a New York area set of um, uh, you know, politically minded people that was uh, basically trying to uh, reframe um, the description of the kind of creation of America through the lens of sp- starting with the effects of slavery, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of articulating um, that being at 1619 um, would have been, uh, you know, just before Plymouth Rock. It's kind of when the earliest kind of movement of people were, were coming over here. Um, 
and the first slaves were coming over here. That's yeah, because it's a four hundred. That's the four hundred year uh, anniversary in twenty nineteen when that group was founded. So. That is what that one is. Idaho, Governor Brad Little, Republican, signed a law in April limiting the ways that teachers can discuss race and gender, banning what legislation called tenets of critical race theory. Iowa has a signed law limiting the ways teachers can discuss race or gender. Kentucky, same thing. Certain concepts related to race, sex, and religion would subject teachers who violate the law to disciplinary action. Louisiana, Republican Ray Garofalo voluntarily defers a bill that would have banned teaching divisive concepts. Maine, uh, Meldon Carmichael introduces a bill that prohibits school teachers from engaging in political, ideological, or religious advocacy in classrooms. Michigan, Republican legislators introduced a bill against 1619 or anything anti-American and racist theories. Missouri. <laughs> the fuck does any like? I'm sorry. No, like, I, I, I I just want to cut in, like because because we only got a, a few more minutes left. But yeah. like, I I want to cut in because one, whenever there's legislation that paints something with a broad brush, that means it can be legislated with a broad brush through the right. like judicial system. <laughs> so that's already dangerous. Like, what is a divisive concept <laughs> yeah. that is subjective? Like debate, debate could be considered divisive. Exactly. Like that is so ridiculous. Like that, and that's why I frame it as uh, white people legislating getting their feelings hurt, (laughs) right? Because (laughs) as soon as something becomes divisive and you don't want to hear it, you go, "Well, it's law, so you can't," (laughs) right? So. And then just to run through then the names of the remaining states, Missouri, Mm -hmm. Montana, New Hampshire, New York, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, and West Virginia, Wisconsin, all have similar style bills either in place in law or in discussion. And and the other thing that I need to touch on that I didn't realize was a part of this critical race theory package is uh, like it anti-transness too like it, it everything is like you can't talk about sex right like and that's like i know they that both can be because based on how sex is used in our culture as the act of intercourse but also gender expression and that's all kinds of fucked up too like we already know on this podcast that a lot of those places that are run by red states are very transphobic and anti-trans and are trying to legislate trans people out of existence what isn't going to happen like trans people exist just fucking deal with it jesus right um and by that i mean like accept them for who they are and stop trying to treat them like second-class citizens because i don't know you you got you people with a weird sky daddy kink are up your ass about it <laughs> so like um yeah, so like that's that like the critical like the race theory part like as a black man I was already like fuck y'all niggas right like but then like the gender component of it I'm like okay y'all are just being the bigots we know you are now right like they're already bigoted because of the race stuff but like the trans stuff too I'm just like nah like like stop trying to legislate your bigotry right and that's mainly that that's one of the critiques I've had for this entire podcast and I'm just gonna be like more open about that because um before i leave off i forget the name of the youtube creator but she definitely mentioned that like in order to make things about race more palatable for white people 
we basically lessen the impact of what actually happened in that case. So, sorry. Chaz from now on is not going to lessen the impact of things that happen. If you don't like it, you have the freedom to turn the fucking podcast off, okay? Right? <laughs> uh, like... <laughs> It's true. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's true. So, I'm sorry. Like, I've had the pandemic to, like, you know, be in my feelings, to mm-hmm. contemplate and reflect, right? And I know that this 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 platform needs to do fucking better. So, this platform is going to do fucking better. Why people, if you don't like it, eat a whole fucking tire ass, okay? <laughs> anyway, that's well, it. That's sponsored, <laughs> that's, uh, sponsored today by Whole Tired Ass. Whole Tired Ass. <laughs> Yo, eat it. <laughs> you can save a whole tire ass if you put in the code WhatsApp at checkout <laughs> next time wherever your whole entire asses are sold. Uh, yeah, man. I mean that. Yeah, you know. Uh, listen, it's it's a it's a wild world out there. Mm-hmm. These ideas, challenging ideas, moving things going, progr- progression change you know getting the money out of the hands of the old folks that have kind of held on to it and kept it in their corners through these laws through these manipulations through these racist tactics uh shaking the the you know walls of uh all of the government and things that have kind of been built in this fashion it's gonna take a lot of work and we're gonna see these things pop their head all throughout Uh and we got to point them out for what they are and if you're in those states you can't support these bills don't support these people that sponsor these bills and help and sponsor the people that can bring change and bring bills that'll actually feed you clothe you get you help get you somebody who's actually representing your needs not their own personal ones or some connection they have to like Uh foreign agencies or money or you know industry whatever it is uh yeah with that what else what do you want to leave them with where where can they get some information where can they do stuff i guess i should tell them first mm-hmm. if you ever want to get a hold of me it's c-town mayor s-e-a-t-o-w-n-m-a-y-o-r on twitter i am hardly ever on there but that is my name you can tweet at me uh you can also email directly the show at h-y-l-b-o-x at gmail.com that's h-y-l b-o-x at gmail.com that's the official email of the show shoot us a shoot us a line let us know of something going on uh chaz where can they get a hold of you and what should they do uh yeah i always promise to do better with this because i never remember if it's a dash or an underscore for most places but on the instagram the twitters and the tiktok is either going to be chaz c-h-a-z underscore b-a-z-z or a dash where the underscore is always one z in the chaz two z's in the baz and uh, also kurt sagog got some really awesome stuff out there like possibly terraforming venus um it would take a long time but it's a cool video but if you are hesitant about the vaccine and if you are a person where knowledge of how things work helps you make better decisions go watch kurt sagog's video on how to how the immune system works it's the beginning of a larger series but it's a good overview about how it all works and it'll give you some new insights on what's going on in your body when you like when you get a bacterial or viral infection so yeah no yeah uh and as always guys yeah keep it up keep getting the vaccines keep uh america healthy as best we can and the world healthy at large is a free podcast out in the world uh as always Chaz, it has been a pleasure it's always a pleasure, Mikkel. It's I mean, great to be back in person. It is gr- back in person, guys. Celebrate us uh, listening to this podcast. We appreciate you. Uh, it's been, you know, long time since we did one of these together. I want to say February of 2000. 
It's yeah, probably the, February 2020. 2020. 2020 is when I met. 2020. Uh, <laughs> it would f- be like 20 years. I got listen, 20 years. we've been doing Zoom podcasts <laughs> since before Zoom existed. <laughs> We're chairmen of the board of Zoom. That's how we afforded the million and a half dollar studio. Got All right, guys. Uh, we appreciate you. We'll catch you up uh, next time when we're on here. Uh, Chaz, as always, thank you. And we out. Peace, y'all. I'm still fucking in the car, still flipping in the car, still shooting at the-